first of all, good to see you guys again. It's been a while. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing good. Um, it's been been a lot of ups and downs, as you can imagine, and uh, you know some tough days and and a lot of good days as well. Uh, I'm lucky and fortunate enough to have a great support system around me, and first and foremost, my my family and my close friends and and uh, obviously my teammates and and the staff that we have around us has been been great. So. Um, the timeline, you know, goes back to essentially the bubble, 2020. Uh, you know, kind of a freak accident that happens there, and and uh, never had any issues before that. Uh, one thing led led to the next, and and you know, it just sort of progressively got worse over the last, well, over that next year, I'd probably say. Uh, started 21, 22 season, I kind of started bugging me on a daily basis and got worse and worse and up until the point we got the first surgery. Uh, and uh, I think at that point, I didn't really realize the complexity of the injury and, and uh, you know, how, how one injury can obviously it compensates and the, the body's amazing that way and it, and it affects a lot of different moving parts. So... Um, First surgery, obviously, and, and was feeling good for a couple of games, and and, uh, and then we managed it throughout the playoffs, and um, still, I, I still thought I'd be fine, ready to go after the summer, and obviously, very short summer. Uh, realized fairly quickly that things had gotten worse, and and uh, we started seeing some experts and, and doctors, and and started seeking out opinions, and. Um, yeah, we've we've explored just about every option at this point um, to make sure that I'd be ready to go, and and uh, I thought I was going to be able to play second half of the season, and especially in the playoffs. But things have just we've given it our best shot, and it just hasn't worked out. Um, so yeah, moving forward, we continue to explore options, and uh, but I felt like this was the the decision I had to make at this point um, for everybody involved and for my teammates and myself. What's up, everybody? Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports here to break down the media conference that just happened with Gabe Landeskog. Um, of course, the news broke today that he's going to be missing the entirety of this year's playoffs. Arif, um, what I saw in that news conference was a man that just felt defeated. He looked uh, extremely upset, not only upset that he has to miss playoff games and part of his hockey career, but more upset that he can't be going through this battle that is the playoffs with his teammates and, and with his brothers. I guess as a journalist, paint us the picture uh, of the mood, the energy that, that was in that room as uh, Gabe Landeskog kind of did his his goodbye for the season, essentially. That was that was tough. <laughs> Honestly, that was that was one of the hardest things I've I've seen uh, in my three, four, whatever, however many years I've been here. Um, it reminded me a lot of the negative like energy surrounding when Peter Forsberg had to call it quits in 2011. Obviously this is a different scenario because Landeskog is not retiring, 
uh, he was asked if he was confident that he will return again after many questions of this could linger into next season and all of that. When he was asked if he was confident this will uh, that he will return again, he said like to play in general. And the question was clarifying. He said, yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm confident. I know I will. I'm not sure when, but yeah, I will play again. So it doesn't seem like Landis Cog's career is over, but you can see the heartbreak as he was speaking that this has been tough for him. Like we've been talking about it for the last three, four months. He's in good spirits. He's in good spirits. No matter how much this guy wants to talk about being in good spirits, he misses this. He's 30 years old. He's in the prime of his career. These last two, three years, he has been playing the best hockey of his career. He was better at 28 and 29 than he was at 23, 24, when you're supposed to be at your best. And, you know, as much as he wants to be the Gabe Landeskog that we know him to be, the uh, very, very classy, very upbeat, happy guy. You know, the first time we saw him, it was I think it was that Edmonton game, the game where the Avalanche raced a three-goal lead and defeated them in overtime. We walked by him in the hallway, and he was walking with his two kids and took a second to say hi to media. What's up, guys? How's it going? Like, just very, very spirited, happy Gabe Landeskog. As much as he is that guy, you know he's hurting because, like you said, he wants to be there. He wants to be a part of this, especially with the team this is right now, knowing that they're coming off of a defending Stanley Cup championship run that he was a part of, and they're going into these playoffs again, knowing that they can win it again. This was certainly something that you felt coming. I mean, not only as media, but, you know, fans were starting to anticipate. It was starting to feel like Gabe Landeskog was going to miss some time. So to hear that it's not going to be career ending, I think, is the exhale all the Avalanche fans were secretly waiting for, right? Yeah, sure, you wanted him in this year's playoffs, but to know that he is going to come back eventually, I think that's what you wanted to hear the most. But do you ever see him being a hundred percent when he does actually return? Is this a thing where it's going to linger for the rest of his career? Or are you confident that he's going to take the right steps and measures to actually be the player he's meant to be when he does return? If he does return, I'm confident that he's going to be, he's going to be a better person. He's going to be healthy and ready to rock and roll. Um, Healthy relative to what this injury is. No NHL player is healthy. Like, that's just the reality. Everybody's hurting one way or another. I asked him about the uh, the 2020 run. So he's, he spoke about, just to kind of back it up a little bit, he spoke about how this injury came. And he said it started in the 2020 bubble. He had never had knee issues before then. If you remember, he was sliced by a skate in game six against Dallas. Missed the rest of game six and missed game seven. That clinching game, I believe, if, I, if my memory serves correct. And he said he'd never had knee issues before that, and he didn't think much of it. And then he went into the next season. He had some, you know, pain here and there, didn't think much of it. Went into last season, you know, had to do the thing in March where he shut it down for the end of the regular season, missed the last 23 games, didn't think much of it. Played in the playoffs, pushed through for 20 games, didn't think much of it. Certainly didn't think he was going to be uh, not ready to go for training camp. And when training camp happened and when he was out that day after we spoke to him for media day, the day before training camp again, he said, I did not think I would be sitting here doing this. A lot of things happened to get to this point. And the most important thing for him was no regrets. You know, there was no regrets. This is just the way things have played out. He then, so I asked him about last year's run, because if you recall last year, he did not partake in any morning skates. He did not partake in any practices. He played in all 20 games. I believe he had 11 goals, 11 assists. He was the Gabe Landis at his highest of powers dealing with this issue. And 
I asked him if it was painful, how, how hard was it to get through that? And he said, look, it, it, like everybody's got something. We had broken fingers. We had separated shoulders. We had, a you know, broken ribs. We had a lot of things going on in that run. And for me, it was just a knee injury that, you know, I thought I was just like everybody else uh, has this, you know, and then he did reference, did it play a part in maybe me still being out now and kind of letting it culminate to this level? Yeah, for sure. But at the time, he didn't think much of it. He didn't think he was risking an entire following season by playing that year or playing those 20 games. Um, he just thought it was an injury like everybody else, like Kadri, like Berkey, like Kemper, like everybody else, Cogliano that was injured and then would have rehabbed over the summer and been ready to go. So he by no means thought it was going to be to this point, which says to me, making this decision to answer your question, making this decision. And getting to this point for him to say that I'm not going to play. And, you know, he even admitted I stopped skating a few days ago because at that point I realized there was basically no point. He didn't look good. Yeah, exactly. So it was kind of you were holding on to false hope, like not not fans, not media, not the team. Gabe Landeskog himself is like, I what the fuck am I doing? Like, this is not going to work. So he did reference that it was time to make this decision, this, this, this decision so that he can focus on what he has to do. He did say he's going to try to be around the team as much as he can and travel, but at the same time has to take care of this. So his recovery continues. It's not like he's going to take a break on, eh, we'll worry about the knee issue in a month or two. So his recovery is going to continue. And for him to, to, to have the gall to make this decision says to me, if he comes back, he's ready to play. It's not because he's going to half-ass it or play three games and then be out another year, it's because he will be ready to go. Yeah, I wonder, you know, he, he definitely a couple times said no regrets. I wonder how much that tune changes if they don't win the cup, right? It's easy to say after you lift the cup up and, and you know, you gave everything to win that. Had you lost it, I, I wonder if there's a little sn snivel of regret um, there. I don't think snivel is a word, but he, you mentioned he, he said he has to kind of still be around the team, kind of still wants to lead, right? His, his presence just is enough to have some of that leadership qualities to it. And he still wants to contribute. What, what do you think that looks for looks like for him? Because he even said he has to figure that out. I guess yeah. let's just throw some ideas out there. How does a captain lead without actually being on, on the ice? The energy around that man is <laughs> it's a it's a different kind of energy. Talking to him today, you can feel that there's a reason why the C is on his jersey. And you know that for guys like Nathan McKinnon, for guys like Miko Rantanen, for guys like Logan O'Connor, Alex Newhook, guys that their entire career have looked up to this man and have played and been led by number 92, nothing has changed for them. Not since game one. We're, we're starting game 81 here shortly. I'm, I'm upstairs at, at Ball Arena for, for those who hear background noise. Morning skate is wrapping up behind me. It's 545, obviously. You're watching this live. The game is starting in about 15, 20 minutes, and uh, we decided to get this out. But Not morning is, skate, but pregame skate. Oh, sorry. I meant, I meant pregame skate. Like puck drop is in 20 minutes, literally right there. Like I'm, I'm hiding behind the press box right now. Um, but basically what I'm trying to say is, this is game 81 for the first 80 games. They have been relying on him. When he said, when I was away, if you remember, he said, when I was away from the team, I was still communicating with the team. I was still talking to the team. I was trying to be there as much as I can. And yes, he did say, I, I, I have to figure it out as much as I can. But if the avalanche lose a tough game five against, I don't know, Dallas, Edmonton, Vegas, hell, Seattle, hell, LA, Minnesota, a first round opponent, 
and they trail three to two in a series and they come back into the locker room with their heads sulking. You know how Nathan McKinnon will get, Miko Rantanen. You know how 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 Val Nichushkin will get, Devontae's Kelmakar. They won't be happy to have number 92 walk in and say a couple words and help them is not going to be that eye rolling. Oh, here comes this guy again with a fucked up knee trying to tell us what to do. It's going to be, let's listen to him. He's going to make sure that we feel better, are in the right mindset and are ready to go. As much as he doesn't see it yet, that that's what he can provide. He's going to notice it really quickly because there is a reason why Gabe Landeskog was named captain at 19 years old. It's because of this. Boy, I'd hope that the uh, the cameras are rolling during that speech and one day come out, <laughs> even if it's this offseason, because yeah. it'd get anybody to run through a wall, I'm sure. Yeah. If if the Avalanche, I, I will say this, if the Avalanche win the Stanley Cup in 2022, uh, <laughs> I, I hate to say this because Peter did it last summer. In 2023, sorry, I'm struggling today. Sorry, uh, technique behind you. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, if the Avalanche win the Stanley Cup this year in 2023, and I hate to say this because Peter just did it last year, people got to write a book about this team. Maybe it'll be me. I, I don't <laughs> know. But to not have Nazem Kadri, Andre Burakovsky, and all the guys they lost in the offseason – to only add depth players. And I, I don't mean that with disrespect, you know, uh, uh, Lars Eller and Evan Rodriguez, a uh, Jack Johnson, uh, Ben Myers, like for those to be the additions, it's not like they lost Kadri Berkey and now Landis Gog and they went out and added Patrick Kane or some big sexy name to add depth pieces and go into this season already lesser of a team than what they were last year, skill wise and not have Landis Gog the entire regular season. And now in one of the more crucial games of the regular season, granted against the Winnipeg Jets team, resting half of their guys, they get to the arena today to find this out. And I don't know if they knew this before. I feel like if they did, something would have leaked to an insider somewhere. I feel like when we found out, the players had just found out too. So for them to go through that and then win the cup again would be just a miracle. It would be it would be magical type of stuff. It would be the kind of thing that you have to write books about. So I don't know. I don't know if this team is going to do it. It's just it was an emotional room. Like it's really, really hard to explain what it was like to have Gabe Landeskog in there talking about his future, his past, the last three years, no regrets. Like we've barely had a chance to talk to this guy since they won the Stanley Cup. And there's a reason why we miss talking to him. It's because he's Gabe Landeskog. So it's, it's really hard to say how he can help the team. It's really hard to say what's going to come of this. But what I do know is they're, they're going to bust their ass off. And, and, and he's not surprised in the least bit that the Avalanche are going for 50 wins without him. Yeah, all year long we were counting on him getting inserted into the lineup. So an easy transition from that conversation, Arif, is what does this team look like now going into the yeah. playoffs? What kind of things do you expect them to do to try to figure out how to you know, go series by series? I see a team that will, and this is something we talked about, now that we know Landis Gog's not playing, which as unfortunate as it is, it does make it better and easier, not just for you and me, for fans, for the team, for for everybody to know, you're not hanging on to this hope that number 92 will show up someday in this in this Stanley Cup run. He will show up in the future, hopefully. Um, you got to take JT Comfer and give him Lekkonen and Nichushkin, which, by the way, Lekkonen's playing today. He just took part in, in pregame skate. Mm -hmm. You got to give JT Comfer Lekkonen and Nichushkin 
and let that line hopefully gain chemistry and become a magical second line. Let Nathan and Miko play with Evan Rodriguez. On the third line, you'll have Alex Newhook. You'll have Lars Eller, probably Logan O'Connor, or I would assume maybe even uh, Ben Myers or Matt Nieto or something. On the fourth line, you'll have the other guy. So there's, there's a ton of options, basically. There's a lot of things to do. But to me, the top six, Evan Rodriguez steps in. He will replace Landeskog in the top six, not literal. Um, he will replace him there. And instead of Landeskog, you know, Landeskog probably would have played with JT, but with Evan Rodriguez, put him with Nate and Miko. Let JT Comfer have Val and Mini Val and, and let this team do its thing. They're going to have a healthy defense. They're going to have a healthy forward group outside of number 92 and potentially Darren Helm. They're going to have both their goalies healthy, something we didn't think was a thing three weeks ago. This team can still win the Stanley Cup as tough and as emotional as this news is right now. Yeah, they're without a doubt less dangerous of a team, but that doesn't make them any less of a content contender because they've fought through this kind of stuff all year long and they still you know, have a lot of weapons that can get them pretty deep in the playoffs. So I'm with you. I don't think it kills their chances. And this is just the team they're rolling with this year, right? Yeah. So I guess looking ahead, Let's get past the uh, playoffs here. How does this affect the Avs' approach to the offseason? I mean, now they're going to have maybe a little bit of wiggle room, or do you think, you know, do they do they approach it cautiously with Gabe Landeskog potentially coming back at some point next year? It's going to be a mixture of both, and they're going to they're going to approach it a little bit more methodically as this year because it looks like no, it, I I, wanna, I don't want to say anybody dropped the ball, but I do want to kind of point out that like. Nobody thought it was going to get to this. We truly, genuinely didn't. Like, what were we hearing when everybody was screaming for, use the LTIR space, use the LTIR space? The insiders like Elliot Freeman and Pierre Lebrun were coming out saying, the Avalanche expect him back in mid-March, mid or late, late March, early April. Obviously, all the dates that have not happened. We're at April 13 now. We're one day away from the regular season ending. I do think they have to plan for him to come back, but they're going to take a little bit of a better approach in saying maybe he doesn't. And if he doesn't, let's plan for that. But if he does, let's also plan for that. Kind of the way that I, I think of it is Washington with Nick Backstrom this past year. They obviously needed to replace him somehow. So they went, went out and signed Dylan Strom. Dylan Strom is by no means Nick Backstrom, but he's a capable top six center, man. Because in their brain, they said Backstrom probably won't come back all season. Well, Backstrom ended up coming back halfway through the season. They had to maneuver a few things to fit him in but they were able to make it work. So I think it's going to kind of be a mixture like that. Is it someone like a Jonathan Taves who can just kind of fill in into the top six? Obviously that's a bad example because that's a guy that plays center, but you get the point. Like they have to bring somebody in. Is Evan Rodriguez a possibility to resign now? Cause Landis will start the season on LTIR knowing very well that by the time Landis comes back, if it's in November or December, you'll probably have somebody else in Jordan on LTIR anyway, you don't got to trade anyone. So there, there's a lot of different ways to approach it if you're the Avalanche. I do think Landeskog's health will be a lot more in consideration this year than they thought at the, than they thought last summer, and obviously, certainly than they did at the trade deadline. Yeah, I'm curious to see how the team reacts, how they kind of uh, just you know respond from a body language standpoint in tonight's game. Um, of course, only five minutes away from puck drop here, Arif. So I know we got to we'll start about wrapping 13 it up. 13 minutes, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. We're about five minutes away from the National Anthem. We'll wrap it up here because I don't think we're going to take the viewers away from the Avs game. That certainly shouldn't be the case. I got to get in there too. <laughs> <laughs> we might get sued if we try. Um, no, but uh, yeah, I guess just I'm, I'm excited to see how they respond 
post game, you know, I'm taking the night off from being at Ball Arena, so I'm a little bit bummed out that I can't be there and kind of read some reactions after the game. But I'm curious to see how they react. And, of course, you got to just have a short memory with it, right, and move on just how you've done all season. It really changes nothing for you. So, uh, yeah, you just the, from the player's standpoint, they're going to have to wipe the slate clean and just think ahead at the playoffs because that's all they really have in front of yeah. them. Yeah, and don't forget, this is a team with Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen. JT Comfer is now a leader on this team. Val Nachushkin is a beast of a player. Devon Taves and Kale McCarr are both great guys. Eric Johnson has been around for a little bit longer than Landis Gog. Uh, Jack Johnson's a veteran. Andrew Cogliano is a veteran. Matt Nieto has been in and out of this team. He's, he's in the 30s now. There's a lot of guys in that locker room that can carry the weight of leadership. Not a lot of guys in there can carry the skill and, and compete level of Gabe Landis Gog. But this is a good hockey team, and you know we've seen teams have to do this before. The 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 Red Wings of '97, '98 won the Stanley Cup. Watched one of their best stars, you know, pretty much have his life changed forever in a car accident. Came out the next year and won the cup for him. The Avalanche in 2001, not as severe, obviously, had to go two rounds without Peter Forsberg. Teams have done this before. If you're a good team, you can do it. And the most important thing is it's not like the Avalanche had Gabe Landeskog for 80 games. The Avalanche won 49 and have a chance to win 50 tonight and 51 tomorrow night, Friday, in, Winne in Nashville, and they did it without Landeskog. This is a good team and a team that wants to win. It's, it's just about having the right pieces to do it, having a little bit of injury luck with that, and, and when you need to rely on someone to give you a pick-me-up, if it's not going to be an Andrew Cogliano again, like it was in the playoffs last year against Tampa, number 92 will be there and he'll do his job. Yeah. I mean, it definitely can serve as a motivator and, you know, like you said, I think, I think they're more than capable of getting it done. It's just about having the mental strength and either way they'll learn from the, the whatever happens in the playoffs, right? It'll be a, a teaching lesson, I guess. Just trying to look at the positives here. Yeah, <laughs> we're all trying to, but yeah, let's let's wrap this baby up and let's let's get in there for Avalanche and half of the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> right on. Well, uh, thanks for hanging out with us on this quick little update. Of course, check out Superbook Sports when you get the chance and uh, get a little action down. Makes turn your money into more money. That's how people get rich, right? Uh, if you made it this far in the podcast, bless your heart. Let's make hockey for everyone. We got you.